This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Calling colleagues sayang or dear are now considered sexual harassment in the workplace and will be considered an offence for civil servants. This is according to the Public Services Commission, PSC. Now, PSC stated that calling a colleague sayang, this for example, is considered verbal sexual harassment while touching, holding, groping, kissing and pinching would be physical sexual harassment. Now, the PSC said that if a civil servant is found to have committed such offences, they could face disciplinary action under Regulation 4A of the Public Officers' Regulations, Conduct and Discipline 1993. Now, the move has generally been praised, but there are some who have also wondered why calling your colleague dear is a big deal. And that's what we're going to be discussing on today's show. So joining me on the show to unpack this is Robin Tan of the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. She's also a lawyer from Mercer's Darren Lim and Lee. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you for having me, Dash. Very excited to be here. Very excited to talk to you as well. Now, Robin, um, what are your overall thoughts on this move or this statement by the Public Services Commission? I think it's very positive and a definitely a necessary move forward in creating and fostering a more equitable, inclusive and respectful workplace culture and community for all genders, right? And this initiative also aligns with the growing global awareness of the need to address workplace harassment and create spaces where all individuals, women, men, anyone, to feel safe and comfortable. And by categorizing such behavior as an offense for civil servants, the PSA is sending a very clear message that it takes workplace harassment very, very seriously. And they expect a very high standard of conduct from its employees. So this is definitely a move that we should all applaud. This this topic in, in essence, right, mm-hmm. when, when we are talking about calling your colleague dear, calling them sayang or girl and things like that, these are what we call gendered language, right? Could you break that down for me? What exactly is gendered language? Gendered language refers to words or expression that indicate a certain distinction or bias based on gender. And words are social construct, right? So, gendered language are language constructs that assign specific rules or attributes or expectations to individuals based on their gender. And such language, we, when we use it, it will unconsciously reinforce the traditional gender stereotypes of the patriarchy system. And I give you an example here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can come in form of a gender-specific noun, such as policeman housewife, which will imply that certain profession or roles are exclusively associated with one gender, right? Mm -hmm. It can also be found in um, gender-based honorifics or title, Mr. and Mrs. So women take after their husband. And it has always been like that since, right, right, years and years ago, since society even uh, to the extent of the use of a gendered adjective, such as a strong is usually used for men, nurturing for women to reinforce societal expectations and stereotypes. So when a woman is uh, seen as strong or coming out as too strong, some people would have put it, uh, they will say that she's being very bossy. Mm. And we don't really hear that a lot about men. 
you you see this in sports as well when a man mm-hmm. throws his racket in frustration the media calls it pure passion but when a woman does it they call it tantrum they call it hysterics and and, and things like that right you are absolutely on point absolutely right. on point can you explain the significance of using gendered language or terms such as let's say honey dear sweetheart in a professional environment well um when you use when we use uh, terms like honey sweetheart in a professional environment it can undermine professionalism and create discomfort and reinforce the gender dynamics and potentially be viewed as disrespectful or inappropriate to some people not all because it depends on the the person as well and the context so um maybe we can look at uh because you know all these terms uh it have historically been more commonly used or directed towards women right and therefore using such terms reinforces the gender stereotypes and diminishes their professional standing some have pointed out though that you know we've been using you know people have, have have zoomed in on the word dear and then you you go mm-hmm. on social media the comments people are say this is just pc culture now we cannot use any words so on and so <laughs> forth and people have pointed out that hey this is ridiculous because if you look at emails and letters we've been using the the word dear um for for decades right like things like dear mm-hmm. robin as per our discussion on whatsapp you know so on and so forth so what would you say is the importance of context how do we draw the distinction between like sending an email dear robin you know i hope this email finds you well and you know what we are talking about right now this gendered language that reinforces patriarchy what's the difference this is such a great question because a lot of people will say that why we have been using dear uh who who so and so dear robin dear dash in mm-hmm. emails for the longest time so why change now right so this is such a good question because a lot of people are not aware because of the societal norms because of the program of the world that we have been living in and the question is not whether we should draw the line the question is the line must be drawn but where where should we draw the line so in such a situation context plays a crucial role in understanding the appropriateness of using the terms and different communication settings require usage of different terms so we need to look at the identify the level of uh, formality the existing relationships uh, organizational culture or even the recipient's preference and the mode of communication as well so an example uh professional context usually as compared to informal settings that when you're talking between your, your your friends or colleagues who are extremely close right mm-hmm. um it's more is generally more advisable to use a neutral and professional salutations in uh, a more formal context uh another thing we will look at is what i said just now the existing relationship so whether then there is an ex- established uh, rapport of familiarity or friendliness between the the counterparty that you are talking to or the organizational culture um in workplaces with a very formal culture such as public services in the our case or workplaces with a more relaxed atmosphere so it, it, these are um how do you say this we need the education 
and the awareness um, and some judgment to know that, hey, whether it's okay in this situation or not. Right. Um, mm. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper because on the surface, um, these may appear to be seemingly harmless type of terms, especially if mm-hmm. the intent isn't to harass, right? Because we are talking about a big, the bigger picture here is sexual harassment. But even if the intent isn't to harass, how, why is this a big deal? How do they contribute to the larger problem of gender inequality? Because the, the argument is always like, well, I, I wasn't trying to harass. That's just a, a regular term that I toss around. Mm-hmm. You know, if I see a younger girl, I'm going to call them sweetheart and, and things like that. So why is it a big deal, although the intent may not be to harass? Even without malicious intent, these words, gendered language or the terms of endearment have wider implications than what we thought. And it can contribute to a larger problem of gender inequality or in, or uh, better, we can say, larger problem of gender inequity, mm-hmm. right? So um, I can explain a little further. So for example, it reinforces the stereotype. When such language are used, it often perpetuates stereotypes and reinforces traditional gender roles and expectations since uh, terms such as honey or sweetheart are often used disproportionately towards women with, uh, while more neutral and professional terms are used for men, right? Mm -hmm. So number two, it diminishes the professional and credibility of the women or of the individual. It may convey a patronizing or infantilizing form. It can create an environment where women's contribution and expertise are not taken seriously as, as compared to their male counterparts. It also reinforces power imbalance between the gender, hmm. right? So it can create unequal power dynamics suggesting that there's a, a familiarity with women, uh, potential disregarding their professional boundaries, and it can impact uh, women's ability to assert themselves and to gain respect uh, and to be treated and to feel that they are equal in the workplace. And also, besides all this, right, mm-hmm. when we use exclusionary language, right. yeah, we exclude individuals who do not identify themselves within the traditional gender norm, right? Right. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Robin Tan of the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. After the break, we continue our discussion on gendered language. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Robin Tan of the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. She's also a lawyer from Mrs. Darren Lim and Lee. And we are talking about gendered language. So, Robin, what are some alternatives to gendered terms of endearment that can promote a more inclusive and respectful work environment? Because inclusivity is something you brought up before the break. This this is good because, okay, so we can use uh, more formal titles. Mm -hmm. For example, Dr. Tan, Mr. Dash, Miss Tan. Even if I'm married, and I'm not, but even if I am, I'm always a Miss Tan, right? Because I identify myself as a, a she or her. So, right? So, or we can use first names. Hey, Robin. Hey, Dash. Or gender-neutral terms. 
such as uh, this is my colleague, my team member, my friend, and we can just skip the term of endearment by saying just, you know, hello, good greetings. Um, I, I've been using this old greetings in my emails, uh, good morning, or to whom it may concern. So all these are good alternatives, yeah. Right. And how do you think using these alternatives promote or fosters equality? Well, language is social constructs, once again, mm-hmm. right? So when we change the way we speak and we, we talk, we unconsciously break boundaries, break stereotypes, and we include and support gender diversity and unconsciously treat everyone equally and unconsciously treat everyone with um, respect. So changing the way we speak to someone has far wider implications than we just thought, you know. Um, We talk about the the PSC and and how this is considered now Mm -hmm. sexual harassment for civil servants. Thing is, most Malaysians are employed in the private sector. What needs to be done to ensure that the private sector takes a similar approach as one taken by the government? I think leadership commitment is very important in this. We always start from the top and then it goes all the way down to the bottom. So leaders of organizations can, of course, influence corporate culture by leading and behaving in a certain way or refuse to tolerate certain behaviors, or they can even establish a clear and comprehensive code of conduct and policies to explicitly explicitly, uh, address such issues. Um, Organizations um, can also create more awareness by uh, engaging their employees in training on workplace harassment, gender biasness, or inclusive language. This will help uh, the organization and the employees to recognize inappropriate behavior and understand the impact of language choices and to promote uh, inclusive practices. Or actually, they can also partner up with um, non-governmental organizations to share best practices and to learn and grow from successful initiatives. Right. Um, recently, the you know after a, a long arduous about 20-year plus battle, we finally have a sexual mm-hmm. harassment um, act, you know, um, and it's already um, become legislation. Yes. Does the Sexual Harassment Act cover gendered languages as well? Well, one thing I must say is mm-hmm. the Anti-Sexual Harassment Act uses gender-neutral terms, for example, party or complainant, right? Right. And sexual harassment is being defined in Section 2 as... Uh, any unwanted conduct of a sexual nature in any form, whether verbal or non-verbal, visual or gesture or physical, directed at a person which is reasonably offensive or humiliating or is a threat to his well-being, right? Right. So this is the definition. And um, I can't say that it explicitly covers a gendered language by saying that you cannot use words such as dear, sweetie, right. honey. So <laughs> there is no such thing. So it all it's it all depends on the interpretation of the section of the word sexual harassment in the context. So how would you respond to someone um to an argument that says um you know 
earlier you brought up how these words, um, you know, infantilize, um, you know, mm-hmm. the person on the re- uh, on the receiving end, mm. and that the argument may be yes, I agree with that, and I think it's wrong. I just don't understand how this. If I call someone honey, um, how is it sexual harassment? You can say that it's wrong. And I shouldn't say that because it infantilizes mm-hmm. women. But how is it sexual harassment? How would you uh, answer that question? Sexual harassment is what is reasonably being seen as offensive or humiliating to the receiving party, right? So, for example, uh, not just words. Uh, I'm just going to use like a uh, just an example. Mm-hmm. If um, if someone touches touches another woman's waist without any malicious intent, without any, uh, it's just like asking her for something and just so ha- just uh, touch her waist to um, maybe just, you know, uh, nudge her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, but that's just how he behaves. But he, he, he meant uh, no malicious intent, right? But to the receiving party, if it is reason... If it is reasonably offensive or humiliating, then it is sexual harassment. Right. So same thing when it comes to language and words, right? It all depends on the context. And if someone that uh, many women that I've spoken to uh, during the first or first of few first encounter with someone that they just met or uh, men, they will call them. Uh, thank you, sweetheart, uh, this and that. And sometimes they do feel, even though the guy, they they don't mean, um, they don't mean to harass, of mm-hmm. course, right? But to the women, they feel uncomfortable, right? right. And they do feel harassment and it plays in their mind that am I being harassed? I don't know, but I don't feel right in this situation. I don't feel comfortable in this mm-hmm. situation. So the, leg- the, the legislation um, defines sexual harassment as what is reasonably offensive. So reasonable. So it's not the person who is doing it. It's, the, it's, what, it's whether this gesture, these words, in this context is being seen as offensive by a reasonable person. Right. So on the issue of gendered language, um, you know, changing the the, the, the culture, the, the mindset mm-hmm. of the people, do we need more legislation or education when it comes to this specifically? I think instead of having more legislation to cover the matter, why not we just improve of the ones that we have on hand? Mm-hmm. So case laws, when, when, when judges said... Uh, precedents and all these things, they that will come into play, right? And of course, um, there are many rooms for improvement, but that is a matter to be discussed in a separate session, if any. And for education, it's always a must for societal progress, regardless of how sophisticated a piece of legislation is. So you um, do a lot of work. Um, you you work with Awam. You probably have gone and worked with uh, companies and get seminars and and all mm-hmm. of that. Have you encountered any resistance or pushback when discussing the in- issue of gendered language in the workplace? Um, how do you address such challenges? 
Oh, so many times. <laughs> it, of course, it depends on the individual. Right. Most individual, right? They are not sexist. They are just not aware because of societal norms, right. because of the program of the world that have enabled them to remain unaware of such issue, right? Right. So we need to challenge these norms and viewpoints. Um, so this means uh, in such a situation, they are more willing to listen to others and consider suggestions and opinions on issues such as gendered language. Mm. In such event, I will share with them my viewpoint. However, <laughs> I'm guilty of this. Some individuals, right, they are just unfortunately sexist due to, again, societal norms and culture. And they are just so, this is like, uh, in, <laughs> I don't want to say it's inhibited in them. But sometimes you just, when you just engage in a conversation, you just know that they will never um, be on the same page. No amount of constructive conversation will help. Then I might not further engage in conversations on right. such matter with them. Yeah. Right. So, you know, this um, issue of gendered language um, or, you know, infantilize, using languages that can infantilize, um, you, you know, your subordinates in the workplace, mm -hmm. your colleagues, um, it, it can happen to, to men and women. But like you rightfully put, you know, this entire, if you look at it from a cultural standpoint, it definitely, uh, you know, the, the, the brunt of all of this is felt on women. Right, um, because most mm -hmm. CEOs are, are are men, most bosses are men, most managers are men, most board of directors are men, so on and so forth. Now, so what role can men, um, you know, such as myself, such as people listening, what role can we play in challenging and changing gendered language norms in the workplace? Dash, you are playing. You are doing something very good <laughs> by even having this talk. Right. Really, because you are educating, you are reflecting on the, the, the actions of the society. So um, I think men uh, plays an important, very important role in challenging and changing gender language norms and uh, the gender inequality issues in the workplace. So if they are more aware, uh, they self, you know, you can have some self-reflect. If they are more aware of their own language choices and reflect on the impact of those words, or even they can, like you, actively and consciously engage in uh, activities or programs that um, educate people or use more uh, more inclusive language, right? Um, or even, you know, you can amplify or support women's voices, like what you're doing. Uh, men in their workplace, they can hear their female counterparts out, listen to, to their perspective, engage in constructive conversations with them, value their professional contributions, and actively support and guide them for career advancement so that you know they get more opportunities to grow. Yeah. Absolutely. And before we wrap this conversation up, Robin, would you have a final message for us? It's important to recognize that gender inequity is a very complex and multifaceted uh, issue that goes beyond language. However, language reflects and shapes societal attitudes and can contribute to the perpetuation of gender biasness and disparities, right? So therefore, challenging gender 
language is one of the first steps to promote a more gender-neutral uh, society, a more respectful, inclusive society, and it's a step forward uh, to fostering respectful and equitable work environment. So I would say everyone plays a role in this. We just don't realize the impact of the program of the world that we have been living in. So we need to do what we call um, affirmative action. Do more than what we should and what we can will help to eliminate all kinds of discrimination and stereotypes, all kinds. And this um, is more than just gender, gender discriminations, any discrimination. Yeah. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dash, for having me. That was Robin Tan of the All Women's Action Society, AWAM. She's also a lawyer from Mrs. Darren Lim and Lee. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.